For the first thing I thought it was was a dream. This week marks 40 years since the worst accidental structural collapse in U.S. history. Kansas City's 1981 Hyatt Skywalks collapse killed 114 people. If you caught our recent KMBC special, The Skywalk Tapes, you also heard the story of Dalton Grant. It was forever ago, but I remember the feeling. He was 11 years old when he was trapped in the rubble for hours. Today, there's more to his story. I'll tell you about the mission he sent me on in just a moment. You're used to seeing us on the evening news. This conversation's different. I'm Haley Harrison, and this is KNBC Nine Storytellers. Dalton Grant grew up in Prairie Village, but for 30 years now, he's lived in L.A. He's a songwriter. He wrote Demi Lovato's 2015 song, For You. He also teaches yoga. And I also learned that the Skywalks disaster is still very much on his mind. It stuck with me without a doubt. I mean... I wouldn't say I think about it every day of my life, but quite frequently, you know, as I speak right now, I can hear, I can, if I want to drum up sounds of it, the experience, I can hear it in my head right now, 40 years later. Uh, and your kids are resilient, you know, physically, I was 11 and, you know, my pelvis was fractured in half and ribs broken and my knees were by my ears, you know, in that little space. And, uh, you know, thank God I was 11 because you're somewhat rubbery, you know, and you heal. He spent half a month in the hospital recovering after the disaster, which also left emotional trauma. I was, I was hanging from the ceiling in the hospital by pelvic traction, which is basically just a canvas sling around my hips, trying to glue my pelvis back together. So it just kind of fused my hips together over two weeks. I mean, literally hanging from a sling. Uh, so physically, it stuck with me as well. And I mean, emotionally, I can't emotionally, spiritually, you know, I can't imagine all the different ways that it affects just how I relate to the world in general. You know, the things I've felt uh, experienced. But he isn't the only one affected by that night. We're getting to that. <laughs> July 17th, 1981, Dalton and his family went to a tea dance at the brand new Hyatt Regency Hotel. They were near the bar, right under the skywalks. 11-year-old Dalton had a seven up in his hand. The swing band was playing. And then it went black. Two suspended walkways collapsed. He was pinned to the ground, his knees up by his ears like a frog. The side of his face was on the ground. There was just a small hole providing just a little bit of air for them to breathe. He was trapped with his mother as well. The accident happened at 7.05 p.m. Hours into the ordeal, Dalton was facing a pretty dark decision. I had a bit of a near-death experience when I was in there, um, which wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and relatives waving me in. It was a real dark big space that was just kind of apathetic. And it asked me if I wanted to stop the pain, I could stand up and walk into it. And so I chose not to. And well, actually when I was asked, not with voices, but with it's a knowing that if I wanted to leave, I could, 
I, all the pain went away in my body and all the screaming, I couldn't hear any of it. And then uh, when I decided, cause I thought about my mother right there and I'm not gonna leave her. And so I decided not to uh, take its offer. It all of a sudden I was back in my body. The pain came back immediately and you know, hearing all that stuff came back. That kind of stuff affects you in every, you know, every situation of your life. Like I've, I've stuck my head through a doorway that a lot of people haven't peered through before. When you say that it was an, a, a dark, apathetic place, what do you mean by it being kind of an apathetic place? It, it wasn't a happy place, but it wasn't a sad place. It just, it's hard to explain, but the darkness that was in front of my face, you know, as I was pinned on the ground, the darkness that was in front of my face just opened into a cavernous space that, cause I was so smashed in a little bitty space. Like I was in about, I was in about eight inches by, I don't know, two, three feet, my whole body. And so it would be quite nice to come to stand up out of that, you know, and that space kind of open, you know, does that make sense? The apathetic, it's just kind of, it didn't care this, this knowing this space didn't care if I stood up or not, but the option was mine. This is what Dalton said as a little boy in a 1981 interview. I was just saying, Mom, are we going to die? And I, I, I didn't know what to do, and I thought, I thought we were going to die. Around 2 a.m., first responders in the hotel had been working to reach survivors using heavy machines, jackhammers, and cranes. Kansas City, Missouri firefighter Mike Trader was among them. Here's what he recalls about the conditions in the lobby. Well, I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty confusing uh, to start with had no idea what had happened or what was going on until we got like right inside and I could talk to someone. We were basically looking for people as at the first, we were, we were looking for anybody that we could get to. Uh, there was a, uh, I don't know, a piece of the skywalk that was tilted. I, I think it was still attached to the second floor my captain went under there and I think he got a couple of people out there. The boss then gives Trader and fellow firefighter Roger Tudor an assignment. Arnett Williams, um, who was a deputy uh, in charge, asked me and Roger to go along and see if we could get any responses and that was one that I'd found was Dalton that had, where I got a response. So for, for example, what are you calling out or what are you, what are you asking or saying? I don't remember. Just hello, anybody there? Answer, something like that. Periodically they'd yell for quiet in the room and then everyone would listen. I have quite a loud voice, I still do. Uh, and I did when I was a kid. And so, you know, they could hear me screaming underneath somehow, maybe through the hole of the hole or something, but they could hear me. And uh, he heard me and he was, you know, there doing his job and he began to talk to me. And uh, he was telling me everything they were doing. 
you know, on the top. And uh, he was trying to keep me calm. You know, him and my mother were. And uh, he had a son, I think his name was Darren or something. It started with a D, really close to mine. And it's with the same age. He was 11 as well. He called me by his son's name uh, while we were under there. And uh, he, he was a tether of uh, light in a dark spot. And uh, he came to visit us and like visit me in the hospital afterwards. It didn't have to do that. Uh, like that's, you hear it a lot, but that guy is a real life hero, like real deal. Uh, and uh, yeah, I owe, I owe my life to that guy. It might, you know, what he did kept my, kept my soul in check. Kept you from going into the darkness. Yeah, uh, his, his voice, his connection to me was a little tether of hope, you know, where, where every other hour it was either my mother and I having to stop speaking so I had no one to talk to and all you do is hear cranes and screams and glass and things breaking and then to hear his voice you know telling us what's happening and to hold on is uh extraordinary dalton asked us to track down mike trader who is now a retired kansas city firefighter trader was hesitant to talk about the disaster in any detail but back in 1981, this is what he told ABC's 2020. I laid down and started talking to him, uh, explaining what was going on, what we were doing, so he wouldn't be scared, try to calm him down, and ask him his name and how old he was. And uh, he told me he was 11 years old. And it struck me at the time because my own son is 11. Like that's, you hear it a lot, but that guy is a real life hero, like real deal. Uh, and uh, yeah, I owe, I owe my life to that guy. It might, you know, what he did kept my, kept my soul in check. Kept you from going into the darkness. Yeah, uh, his, his voice, his connection to me was a little tether of hope, you know, where, where every other hour it was either my mother and I having to stop speaking so I had no one to talk to and all you do is hear cranes and screams and glass and things breaking. And then to hear his voice, you know, telling us what's happening and to hold on is uh, extraordinary. The moment that you were rescued, can you can you tell me about that? See, I got emotional right there, like that second. It's so odd that I can describe this stuff and then that one phrase. So there, it's still there, like 40 years later, a snap of a finger. Uh, they could, they, they were, uh, they were jackhammering holes down to us and they were going through people 
who they knew had passed with the jackhammers. And uh, I remember they were jackhammering over my head and dust was starting to fall into my eyes. They were so close to breaking through a hole. And even at 11, I knew that when a jackhammer hits, a heavy jackhammer hits air, it's gonna fall. And I'm like, you're, I was screaming, you're gonna hit my head. So they moved it over and uh, I just remember that hole, some hole up to my left uh, broke through and there was light. And this, the rush of cool air that came down out of that hole that I breathed in through my nose was heaven. That cool, fresh air. And, uh, and the thing is the light came through and it, it, uh, it lit up where I had been for the last eight hours and the inches of blood and the bodies that I had kind of made friends with while I was under there. Uh, and my mom, you know, I saw her just mangled. Uh, so Dr. Joe, he reached through and he introduced himself because he's a gentleman. Uh, and he's like, I'm Dr. Joe Dalton. I'm here to pull you out. And I said, take my mom first. And uh, they couldn't get to her until I got out. And so uh, they reached down and they pulled me out through that little hole put me on a gurney, said, don't look up, because it was messy. Uh, and everybody stopped what they were doing and the whole lobby started to applaud. I think because they had pulled out a little bit of life out of a whole lot of death. Uh, yeah, and that's the last time I saw my mom for two weeks. So they pulled me out because I was in, I guess, the children's ICU and she was in the adults, same hospital, but different floors. So, uh, yeah, that's how they pulled us out. Dalton would spend two weeks in the hospital. His mother turned the living room of their home into a hospital room so that they could finish their recovery together. The rest of his recovery, though, took years. From when it happened to the physical recovery of it, and, you know, there's emotional recovery of it as well. Uh, but you're talking 1981 when people didn't, weren't saying, oh, this kid needs to go talk to somebody. You know what I mean? It didn't exist. It, it's, you're fine. Looks like you're healed up now. Go kick the soccer ball. You know, where maybe you know, looking back on it, maybe I should have talked to somebody. I think I talked to a uh, psychiatrist for legal reasons. Once I had a session, you know, they had to say, yeah, we checked him out. He's cool. Um, when did yeah, you seek counseling though? Um, Cause you, you mentioned you have done some of that. So when, when did you come to that? In two, 2006, maybe. Uh, is that right? Two th yeah, 2006, you know, 10, 15, 15 years ago. 
I just through friends, I met a counselor who's, you know, a real close, uh, this counselor who married me and my wife two, uh, two years ago. Uh, and we, we started talking about other stuff. You know, I came, I came to, I think I came to her for couples counseling or something. And I didn't believe in therapy, you know, therapy is for weak people basically is what I thought. And then, you know, I, uh, my dad passed and I had some real issues with it. And I started going to her and talking about it and she just, she can bring it out of you, you know? And so I told her about this and she never pursued it or anything, but we went into childhood stuff and, you know, anger. I think I was angry from it, you know, in my, early thirties and had no idea why, you know, the angry young man, but I was pretty angry. And the energy that came out and the emotions that came out, you know, talking about, just talking about this incident were pretty extraordinary. So that's how, that's how I was brought to it. Uh, and, you know, thank God I was, because I got to unscrew the top and let it come out, you know, and, you know, let the pressure cooker blow. The Skywalk's disaster still affects thousands of people who were connected to the collapse even 40 years later. Today, there's a memorial to the 114 victims just behind the former Hyatt Hotel at Hospital Hill Park. 